Hey, one more thing before you go. Do you feel overwhelmed by your emotions? Do you struggle to find peace and clarity in your everyday life? If so, have you ever considered meditation? I do it every day. Contrary to popular belief, meditation is not about denying your feelings or suppressing your emotions. Instead, it's about becoming more mindful and aware of them, so you can respond to situations efficiently and effectively. I like both parts of those. In fact, by practicing meditation, you can gain a calm and clear mind that will help you in all aspects of your life, including your career, art, sports, passion, even relationships with friends. And I would like to add, I manage my pain with meditation. So join us on this journey of mindfulness and self-discovery with a man that has perfected living a life of joy and self-realization. We're going to show you how. I'm your host, Michael R. Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. Hey, my guest in this episode is an author, a speaker, and a meditator. Chris Serac is a passionate about turning sophisticated topics into accessible, meaningful, and inspiring experiences with an extensive background in design, psychology, and tech. He breaks down the traditional teachings to make ancient wisdom accessible and discoverable by modern audiences. That's what we're going to learn today. His BU Mindfulness Program helps you gain transformative insights by following a simple step-by-step -step approach to reacting less and thriving more. Chris has been practicing meditation since 2015. He studied with and learned from many of the luminaries of our time, including Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Brian Weiss, Joseph Campbell, so many more. He has a course in miracles and many others who have inspired him along the way. Certified meditation teacher by the World Yoga Alliance. Chris teaches living a life of joy and self-realization using design methodology based on empathy, listening, mindfulness, and human values. Welcome to the show, Chris. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to myself, I guess. Thank you, Michael, for having me on. This is uh, this is a real pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, you know, it is that last part of that intro. I think that uh, that really resonates with me because I think we all should be living that anyway. I mean, even if we're not seeking out to, we should, I think, in my opinion, I think that we all should open our eyes, our mind, and our heart, connect our body and our soul to live that every day because I think we as humanity need that. Yeah, we need it, and it's ultimately our natural state. So we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Uh, we really uh, live in a world where... Um, we create more problems for ourselves than actually responding to real existing ones. And so just finding back to feeling our feelings, observing our thoughts, uh, working with the flow, participating in life, um, That's the and key. <laughs> as opposed to being in resistance to it. Yeah, that, that is the key. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely the key, you know, participating in life, not sitting back, just watching it on the TV and staffing or fast forwarding through the commercials, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. to speak, the little obstacles. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is designed to elicit reactions from us. So we live in this busy world and a lot of that busyness is just, uh, you can call it noise, but it's uh, opinions. It's people yeah. wanting us to buy into their version of the truth and their version of what's right and wrong and so forth. And so we're constantly being pulled into our heads. And the, 
the mind is, you know, it's a great tool for, for certain yep. organizational planning matters, but it's, it's not who we are. And our, our inner truth our, that resides in our body and our intuition, all of those are much more um, uh, remarkable gifts that help us navigate life in the way we're supposed to be so that we can find ourselves and, and live by our truth. I agree with that. I, I think that, unfortunately, um, especially from my old profession, coming forward in, in life through that and seeing the, the worst people in life in, in the worst situations and in the best people at their worst during those time periods, you get to really observe people from the perspective of, of like way down bottom, hit bottom, rock bottom, many of them, and had no hope, had no opportunity. But at the same time, they were reaching out for compassion and humanity and it wasn't always there. You know, you, you, and you, you literally could see the joy in their eyes when somebody reached a hand down and you could understand that, you know, I think I need to be living more of a, a life that's um, compassionate and a life that's understanding and a life that, that um, resonates with the fellow mankind. We're all, we're all connected. Mm, we're all connected. Yeah. So yeah, what an amazing opportunity for us to be able to educate people, hopefully inspire them and motivate them to, to come around to this way of thinking and moving it forward as we go. Yeah. And to, you know, as a police officer, you're probably at the forefront of these basic human needs that most of the time we just want to feel heard. We want to feel seen. So a lot of that behavior that we experience in, in the world around us and in ourselves is a, is a cry for being seen and heard. It's a cry for help. It's, uh, it really doesn't behoove anyone to, to just blame and point fingers, but to recognize what's behind the actions and the behaviors. I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, listen, we're going to, we're going to kind of unfold your life a little bit, if you don't mind. Yay. I, I would like to educate some people as to, you know, like where you've been, where you grew up and, and, you know, we'll talk about a little bit of how you got to where you're at right now, because that's been a journey within itself. We all, we all take a journey. Sometimes we have people next to us and beside us that walk with us. Some people push us from behind. Some people pull us from the forward. So let's talk about how you got to where you're at. Where'd you grow up? as you put it um i think my early years were uh where the, the the struggles kind of um set me on a particular uh, path and that was really my feeling like i didn't have any roots my dad worked for the u.s military we moved around a lot both my parents were immigrants and and uh contrary to many immigrants they never really settled they had to you know, flee their countries. And uh, as such, their heart was still in those places. And um, so I kind of grew up in this strange bubble of feeling like um, I didn't really belong into any particular culture or mindset, uh, way of life. And uh, so I struggled with that a lot in, in terms of, you know, when you're young, all you feel is like you want to belong and you want to find your, your tribe and your group. And I didn't have that for a long time, but ultimately that then led to having more perspective on the positive sides of that, which was to not be too indoctrinated into one way of thinking and living. And so that gave me a, a, a good perspective that then slowly, eventually um, became a strength. And that's kind of how life works is that the challenges that we face, we then become experts at overcoming those challenges and and that's what puts us into the position of becoming teachers and being able to share 
uh, and help others who are going through the same thing. So um, I was a corporate consultant for 25 years and, and uh, worked both at the entrepreneurial, lots of startups. Now that's where uh, my heart was in terms of being able to see the impact of my work and my contributions, but also the you know, corporate, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, that, that was more the bread and butter and learning to navigate those big political environments taught me a lot of lessons. And uh, so it's, it's been a full life uh, so far and it continues to be. And then at some point I recognized that even though um, I maintained a lot of passions from my youth, I continued to make music and, and play sports. And, but even in those activities, I felt like something was missing and that, you know, eventually it dawned on me that it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So you could be doing the most amazing things in the world, but if you're not present with the activity itself, it won't fulfill you. If you're still living for outcomes, it uh, will leave you, you know, longing for more. So I, I reached that place naturally by just kind of doing the things we're supposed to do and, and carving out you know, enough time to, to, to work on myself. And then it uh, slowly, eventually, through working on myself, there a, a voice emerged that uh, you know put me on this new track of really being of service, giving back, and, and helping others kind of uh, come out of the noise, the busyness of our, our lives and our heads, and uh, into the wisdom of our body where our own blueprint lies and is waiting to be discovered. That's like an amazing statement, just in thinking about it, as I think we all want to reach that level within ourselves that allows us to connect more with our body, our mind, our body, and our soul, you know, from that deep level. You know, we all, we all need that. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, as I said earlier, we're all on a journey of life, and we all walk different paths, and we all, we all walk sim similar paths. You know, you, your background, growing up in what you grew up in, you, like you said, it defined you. To a point. Do you think that, I mean, I know it defined me, mine. I grew up with a very dysfunctional family, both alcoholic parents and so forth. And that, that set me on a path where I, I made a choice. And, you know, it, I could have followed in that path, like some other members of my family, or I, I could make a choice to step out of that path. Do you think we're all at some point in our life uh, presented with a choice like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I talk about the black sheep. Yeah. Um, often and there's a chapter on it in my book and um, how we tend to inherit the generational behavior and, and, and patterns in a way where we just accept them as the truth initially and somewhere along the line someone in the lineage will break those patterns become more aware of them and, and kind of shed the light of awareness uh, onto uh, this kind of more blind behavior and and we all play a role in that and some more some less and yes so we all have a responsibility to reflect on our behaviors to to see the things that we've inherited both from our family our environment our generational patterns um, there's just a lot of stuff that uh, becoming aware of it is the key to having that choice um, as you said there there is a choice every single moment of every single day to be more aligned with our own truth and uh, and less aligned with our our own truth. Right? We we can feel 
what resonates with us and what doesn't. And ultimately, it's not really a choice not to be you, right? So you can choose to go against the grain of, of who you're meant to be, but it's not going to behoove you. It won't feel right, won't feel good. In the long run, it'll uh, make you unhappy and sick. And uh, so ultimately, you want to be you, and, and the choice is there in every every moment of every day and we just have to stay connected to our inner voice our inner truth and it shows us the way yeah i i agree with that you know it's it's a situation you know even when i was a cop you know i had a lot of criminals going why why are you why are you doing this to me because i've arrested them it's like well you you made a choice you made it you, you you could have chosen not to do what you did but you made a concerted choice to do what you did so there's consequences for your actions from that perspective but then you can also look at it from a, and, and many of these, my audience have already already know this, but I spent a number of years in a wheelchair because I was told I would be in that wheelchair for the rest of my life. Until my oldest daughter said, I want you to walk me down the aisle. She looked me square in the eye. She leaned down, put both hands here, and looked me square in the eye. I said, I want you to walk me down the aisle. And she says, I know you can do it. And at that point in my life, I made a choice. Do I still sit here and feel sorry for myself and angry and resentful because I'm here? Or do I figure out a way to walk my daughter down the aisle and make it a more positive thing? So I, I, I agree with you. Just to emphasize that we all are presented with choices in our lives, it gives us the opportunity to reflect on that choice and to see whether or not it's going to move us in a forward direction. You know, it, and, and I reinvented my life. My previous life, I was a cop, and I was, I was on, on track to be you know, move up the line. I was a sergeant, taking the lieutenant's test, moving up the line, like other colleagues. Then I found myself, what am I doing now? So I was able to reinvent my life. You did kind of the same thing because you were on this corporate path. You were on, you know, this this noise, as you said. You made that choice to, to, to reinvent yourself. Do we all have that opportunity to reinvent ourselves that no matter, I, I won't say, I may, I may be broad in this, the, the position or obstacle that's in our way and or the, our point in life as an age? Well, I would say that the we don't really leave ourselves behind ever. We bring past versions, past uh, chapters with us, and that's really what gives us a unique voice. So anyone out there who's embarking kind of on what seems like a new career, well, your past experiences don't need to be left behind. They actually... Uh, bring a uniqueness to the you know your new chapter and all too often we shut ourselves down from writing a book or speaking about a a certain topic or taking on a a specific job thinking that we don't have the background or it's already been done and all these kind of self-critical thoughts ultimately our life uh, you know the imprint uh, that life has on each and every one of us is so unique and so special um, nothing needs to be left behind. Sure, there's some surface activities that seem like they, they may not contribute to a new chapter, but the, the soul growth and the wisdom that all of those past chapters uh, gifted us with, that that's what we bring forward. And, and that's really how we bring newness and freshness into an area where there might be, you know, a lot of people talking about a certain t- subject or a new job that, uh, seems like uh, we're not qualified for, but no, we, we are qualified for everything because 
that's the opportunity that life has brought to us. So saying yes, giving ourselves a chance, at least, you know, whatever it may be, lean into it. I hear a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome and, and feeling like they're, they're just kind of um, faking it. Well, that's a, a mind that likes to compare and criticize and, and try to rationalize the evolution of life. And it just doesn't do a good job at it. It's not meant to do that. It's more of an organizational planning tool. So we kind of have to have a practice that, that calms the busy mind, keeps us in our body, keeps us in the present moment where we're just experiencing and learning and responding to the things as they're happening. So um, life will bring us these opportunities just because we're ready for them. It's, uh, it's rare that you can just kind of will yourself into a new incarnation. It, it doesn't really work. It has to be an organic unfolding of life. And uh, if we're open to responding to circumstances as they are, not in resistance, constant resistance to things because we have this uh, imaginary picture in our heads that it should be different. And then these opportunities will show themselves more fluidly, more often, more organically. And then we have that choice uh, to uh, step into it or, you know, or not. So that's kind of how I see life unfolding. I, and I, yeah, I can, I understand that. I can relate to that. Do you think, it, I mean, you mentioned something earlier and I may expand a little bit on that. Do you think intergenerational trauma has a, a profound effect on who we are today? Oh, huge. Uh, I've, you know, read things about um, some trauma that happened three generations back as in like a, a, a very large impact on your DNA evolving and, and your, your psyche forming. Mm -hmm. So we inherit behaviors. Um, I have a friend who's a psychologist who's treating a, a little girl, four or five, I think, um, whose mother was a professional athlete and um, due to an injury was had a limp. And now this little girl has a limp. Wow. And there's no physiological reason for it other than the psych psychology. So we learn through mimicry. We learn through uh, just absorbing energy and, and speak and behavior for, from our environment. And uh, so, yeah, everything is inherited one way or another. There's very few experiences that are truly our own. We already kind of come in baked with a, a certain imprint. Well, you know, I, I, and I hate to really tie this analogy to, to that statement, but working domestic violence task force for four years, you know, we saw that intergenerational trauma. We saw individuals that were, were together that the male or the female, because some people think that, you know, women are not just victims, women can be perpetrators as well. You see one or the other come into this relationship and understand that they grew up in the same type of violent or emotional abuse environment. And if you look back on that history, you find that the grandfather did it, the grandmother did it, the, the father did it, the mother did it, and, and now you're doing it, you're following through with it. So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I hate to tie that analogy to it, but, but you know, some people that I interviewed said, well, that's all I know. Mm. I mean, literally said, that's all I know. It's like, well, now you're going to know that there's consequence for actions and you can make a choice to change. So, and, and that would apply for all of us if we realize that, that we are detrimental to ourselves or uh, society in any particular way, we have an opportunity to, to make those kind of choices. 
So let's, let's talk about meditation and how that plays a factor in this. Because I use meditation, as I said earlier, for pain management for me. It, it helps me immensely. Um, it, it reduces my stress. It reduces my anger. It reduces my pain levels and so forth. You've been practicing since 2015. Is that correct? Mm, yeah, that's, that's right. It's 2015 is when I really settled into my current practice, which is Vipassana. But I tried many different um, forms, and, and there are so many different forms. It's not just sitting in lotus pose on your meditation cushion. It could be walking meditation. It could be, you know, meditation is ultimately a state. It's not a separate activity. And, and then after you're done with that activity, you go into the rest of your life. It's, it's more a state of being, being present, uh, being mindful, just being conscious of things. I, I start my mornings with pouring a glass of water at the refrigerator dispenser, just observing for those seven or eight seconds, observing the water uh, fill the glass and just being really present with that as a, as a way to gauge just how busy my mind is on, on any given day. And it's not about wanting your mind to be different. Like if it, I find it's monkey mind, you know, unruly, that I want it not to be that. It's, it's accepting, surrendering, just noticing that it is that. And the noticing ultimately is what calms it down then. And so I think um, in the context of what we're talking about, uh, doing things mindfully is really just uh, uh, having an awareness of what we're doing that accompanies our doing. So that being presence that we bring into uh, the doing, the activities, and, you know, we tend to be mostly, if not entirely, focused on the external world, kind of reacting to things as they show up. A much more uh, guided way to approach life is to, whatever the split may be, maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's 80-20, or even just 90-10, but have some percentage of awareness of yourself um, of your sensations, what you're feeling, what, what these thoughts are, being an observer to some degree to the things that we're doing. And that observer quality keeps us uh, in, a, in a place of sane decision-making. It, it's a place of clarity. Uh, from that place, we can really observe things as they are uh, without infusing them with a lot of reactivity, bringing in the past or projections about the future. So... Uh, it doesn't take much, just a, a little bit of uh, awareness, observation, quality. If we bring that into our daily activities, it makes a huge positive impact on, on ourselves and, and our view on life, but also on everyone around us. It's the light of awareness. It, it catches on quickly. I, yeah, I, I smile when you say all that because anybody that practices this uh, can, can relate to that statement very much. You know, it, it's interesting. I... I you mentioned something about the lotus position earlier. See, I, because of my, I still have a disability. So yes, I'm walking. Yes, I'm out of a wheelchair. Um, but I still have limitations. And those limitations, I have to make ad adaptations for. So can can we make those adaptations? I, I, I won't tell you mine, but I want you and anybody that wants to meditate, have the opportunity. They don't have to sit with their legs crossed and go, put their little fingers together like this. You typically see in TV or in the movies. It's something that they can do any place, any time, correct? And in different any, methods. Any place, any time, whatever method resonates with you, of course. I spent the first several years uh, of meditation practice just sitting on couches and sofas, uh, chairs, 
Um, it was just more comfortable for me that way. And, and it's not about hurting yourself or getting uncomfortable. You can always adjust your posture uh, in between. Uh, there's some meditation techniques and, and practitioners that insist that are, are a little more strict on these things. I'm not. Um, it's certainly in the beginning, it's about just finding those moments, those little moments, uh, a few uh, like a minute of, of, of breathing before we go into an important meeting, uh, a moment of just focusing on how am I feeling. First thing when, when I wake up, I just quickly scan my body and just kind of observe what's happening, what, what built up overnight. And that literally takes less than 10 seconds. Um, and so just reinforcing awareness throughout the day is the most important part. Um, Sitting in meditation pose with your spine straight, there's some benefits to that because there's uh, the, the flow of energy um, when you're upright is, uh, is more effective. But those are more advanced things. And until we get there, until we feel the calling to do that, there's no reason to force ourselves to do anything. Well, you've studied with um, and learned from many of the luminaries of our time, like Deepak Chopra and you know Dr. Brian Weiss. And I'm familiar with those names and, and so forth. How, how'd, you, um, how'd you get lucky? with that well i mean i was a retreat junkie for the longest time we just signed up for everything that was happening there wasn't a, uh some class or some workshop or some healer or practitioner that was wasn't working with usually multiple at a time and that was still when i was just working on myself um so many of those are still around uh, i just got back from an eckhart Tolle retreat in uh in canada where i was a facilitator i've been volunteering for him for many years and so you just start to get involved and, and you form your tribe. Uh, and it's the same faces that are, like you said, we're all on that journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Now, I know that you, you um, at one point in your life, and you mentioned it earlier when we first started this discussion, just to help people understand how this type of practice, this, you know, the, the connection that we get from meditation and from mindfulness and understanding and uh, gratitude, uh, you know, I, I, I'm grateful every day. I, I try to practice being grateful every day, even when I'm having a flare, because I think that it allows me an awareness that, like, I still have a disease. And because I still have a disease, it gives me inspiration to motivate other people that you have options, kind of a thing. And, and I look at it that way. So you, in doing, in, in, in getting involved with, with meditation, uh, I know that you you work the corporate field for a while. You see all the noise and everything else. Has this really given you the opportunity to really reflect back on yourself? And we and how can we step out of that noise? Because sometimes we get so involved. And in, and in, and like you said earlier, I, I I know that you you really understand that we get so locked in and involved with everything that's going on and what society expects from us. You know, get up in the morning brush your teeth, you know, go in and have your breakfast, you stumble to the car, spend an hour on the road to get to work, sit down in your cubicle, do your stuff, you know, stumble out the door, get back in your car, fight traffic again for another hour, come home, eat dinner, watch some TV, go to bed, do it all over again. Rinse and repeat. How can we understand how to step out of that, to take a breath and start recognizing some of the things that we just talked about? Mm. I realize so, that was a long question, but <laughs> no, it's it's a great question, and it affects all of us. And 
And um, so ultimately, you don't need to sell your stuff and move to a remote island. <laughs> That's the good news. Um, and there is no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you could do that. That's a choice. Yeah. Um, and there is no bad news. Ultimately, it's, it's you can continue living your life in exactly all those steps that we just mentioned. Um, but it's about becoming aware and breaking it down to those steps, not getting lost in the bigger picture. It's um, I often tell the story of my my mom after having uh, heart bypass surgery. She was afraid of traveling because the the thought of getting you know on airplanes and for 20 hours and all the people and all of that was overwhelming and so what we did is we broke it down to the individual activities the task at hand which is folding your clothes and then putting your clothes in your suitcase and taking the suitcase to the stairs and so forth and so when we break it down to the individual tasks life is a lot simpler um, it's a lot more light it's, it can be you know fun ultimately because we don't feel overwhelmed this energy of overwhelm and like rush 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 leaves us and instead we're just dealing with very simple tasks <laughs> most of the day and there's space that starts to emerge in those uh, simple tasks where we find gratitude like you said and appreciation for ourselves we just have time to on who we are, where we are, what we're feeling, when we're not constantly caught up in thoughts about the next thing and the next thing and all of the, you know, the 20 things we have to, to do today um, on our to-do list. So it's, it's really that simple mindfulness is breaking down this complex, overwhelming sense of uh, not having enough time and having too many things to do and really just focusing on uh, each task one at a time. And uh, that's the first big step to then breathe some space uh, into our day, into our routines, into our relationships, into our jobs and all the things we're doing. And then from there, more clarity can arise in terms of, is this really for me? Is, does this job resonate? Is, is the way I'm organizing my day most efficient? Is it, um, you know, how can I... Uh, build in little moments of uh, joy of mind you know more uh, intentional mindfulness where we spend a minute focusing on our breath while we're sitting in traffic uh, and it's all stopped or before the elevator or before a meeting if somebody's late for a meeting rather than being angry at them we can see it as a gift of oh my goodness i have a few minutes to myself to be in stillness to be in presence that i didn't anticipate having and using those little moments um, for that, for practicing and reinforcing mindfulness. And there's many, many moments throughout the day where we can do that. So uh, it's, it's really a, a fertile ground. No matter how busy we think we are, there's little moments throughout the day and little moments is all we need to have a, a deeper experience of life. It's that old cliche, stop smelling roses. Yeah. I mean, really, it's that simple, really. <laughs> Stop and smell the roses, or the daisies, or the daffodils, or whatever, whatever's along the pathway. Stop and look at a butterfly. You know, yeah, and, look the wonder of a butterfly. Exactly, and what you're saying there is is one of the secrets of of presence and mindfulness is to notice the detail. We tend to create these yep. snapshots in our minds about you know tree, and then the tree becomes a tree. We don't even look at the detail of every single branch and every single leaf being unique. 
Um, and like you just said, when we stop to smell the roses, to notice some detail in another person, uh, about the conference room we're sitting in, about traffic, you know, it's different every day. And, uh, or just maybe looking at the license plates and, and just like looking at more detail that takes us out of this kind of busy mind and into presence. Yep. Yeah. So that's a great simple approach again. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you have to take that step. You have to take that first step. If you don't do that, then you don't really go anywhere. And, and it's, it's really, it's really easy when you stop and do that. Sometimes we get so caught up in society, we forget, we just forget our, our mind is so busy and it's racing so fast that we just forget just to take a breath and, and just kind of relax for a minute. Sometimes we forget, you know, I, I, for the longest time, I practiced martial arts while I was a law enforcement officer. I practiced Tai Chi. I practiced Qigong. I practiced Kung Fu, Aikido, a little bit of everything. I did like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee says, learn everything, take a little bit from here, a little bit from here, throw the rest away. So I followed that philosophy, which helped me, believe it or not, through my journey, through going through eight operations, learning to walk again, and so forth. But I had to be reminded, because I sat in a wheelchair and I sat there and felt sorry for myself and I was angry and I was resentful. I had to be reminded that you still have more to do here from that yeah. perspective. And I kind of went, wait a minute. So, you know, not all of us can, can continue, even though we had practiced it in some form or another. Because martial arts, when you do Tai Chi, it's a form of meditation. When you do Qigong, it's a form of meditation. So we forget. I forgot about that because I was angry and I was resentful and I was depressed and I, and this kind of thing. It blockaded the negativity surrounded me so much that I couldn't look past that. So that one simple step, you know, I, I agree with you. That one simple step is just one of those things that, that if we all took the time, it would start opening the doors and the windows and, you know, we can go out on the back patio and listen to the birds and watch the hummingbirds and the wonder of those and, you know, the flowers and yeah, it's cool. I see. I could just get it. I get excited. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting. There's so much beauty in everything and the, the diversity of life. Uh, I mean, it's just mind boggling. Sometimes I feel like there's uh, there's some level of uh, kind of resistance in us that yeah. is necessary because there's so much beauty out there. If we were constantly taking it in, uh, we kind of like overload. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. But you know, it you know, it, it's as simple as it, you could take a walk, like you said earlier. Take a walk, mm. but don't 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 look at the traffic. Look at the stuff around you. Look at the the sidewalk. Look at the trees. Look at the bushes. Look at the the wildlife. You know that kind of a situation. If it even as simple as if you you don't want to do that, go to a museum relish in the tranquility of the museum because you know everything in the museum is shh. <laughs> yeah. you can't say really loud i love that painting you're supposed to go that painting is really nice <laughs> <laughs> that's actually beautiful i love that idea so yeah museums are kind of a place of uh, enforced mindfulness and stillness uh, that's beautiful art yeah. in itself i think is um you know, to really take it in, it puts us into a, a still place first. And even if we wind yeah. up going, that's awesome, at, at the end of 
uh, the experience. Um, it's been mostly stillness and just taking it in. So and, that's and, beautiful. And just, yeah, mindfulness. It's it's in, in understanding where that part of my master's degree is in art. So mm. I love that aspect of it and looking at the, you know, I don't necessarily have a favorite artist. I, I like Monet, I like Van Gogh. I like, I like, I like a diversity of art, architecture. You know, that is art. I, I, I kind of look at things from that perspective because I feel that the creativity and the, and, and the focus that was put into this to allow other people to stop and enjoy this. They painted that for a reason. It may have been personal in the beginning, but it was to share it with the world. Say, look what I like. I love this. I would like you to kind of take a look at this and see if you love this. And it's same with architecture. I mean, look at beautiful building. If you look at some of the architecture that stood for thousands of years and you look at what they created with common basic tools that they didn't, like what we have today, and you look at the magnificence of what is there, it gives you a reflection on life like, wow, I can't believe somebody actually created that. They created that for me to enjoy. So, yeah, I mean, that that's my my little input because I, I love doing it. It gives me a good feeling. That's the reason yeah. I, I thought, you know, you, that's what I recommended others to do because it, it, it allowed me to, art is subjective, yes, but that doesn't mean you can't find your niche. And when you find that niche, it gives you a going place, a place to go, a place to relax, a, pl a go-to place. Every time you get stressed, every time you get angry, every time you get in a situation, go back to that place. Mm. Yeah, it's the passion of creation is, I mean, that's what we're made of, right? Everything that exists, yeah. there's, a, there's a passion and a desire for it to, to be. And so we feel that inside of us. And when we become, become conduits for it, when we either create art or experience other people's art, and they're just expression of this passion for creation, then we really tune into what's yeah. at the core of our, our own existence. I agree. I agree. And we should all take that pause. We really should. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that we just talked about that it's easy for others to get involved with meditation. It's easy to get started. Um, you can meditate for as little as a minute. Like you said, standing in front of an elevator, waiting, or sitting on a couch, waiting to go to a meeting. Um, or you can meditate longer. What kind of steps do you um, can you share with us in regard to if somebody wants to get involved, somebody wants to take this step and say, well, I think I like that. I think I like what you know Chris is saying. I like what Mike's saying. So... You know where where would where would they start yeah so just like with all teachers right the, there's a, a type of uh teacher that will resonate with you if you're just starting out um and just that all that is is looking around exploring uh different voices different styles different techniques um you know i do weekly online meditations that uh, anyone is free to join and and, and try it out but um, generally, what I think works really well in the beginning is um, there's lots of free guided meditations on YouTube. You can just listen to those, uh, put on some headphones and find a quiet corner and just allow this kind of the guidedness uh, of it to, to take you to that place of stillness and, and wonder and imagination. Um, and then let it unfold from there. It's, it's a journey. It's the inner discovery journey and uh, there's no prescribed way right way for anyone it, it's your own uh, experience and, and your own unfolding so just having maybe uh, a confidant or an environment a teacher 
a program that creates a safe space, maybe gives you some guidance, some tools on how to let that inner journey and that discovery unfold for yourself. Um, that is obviously helpful. Um, and I think it's mostly um, finding a safe space to, to feel like you can express and experience these things without feeling judged often. Okay, I think we touched on this earlier. Once we start to show some interest in yoga and meditation and conscious, you know, movement and these things, they they tend to have still in a lot of areas a stigma of of woo woo and and hippie. like it's not hippie, it's not scientific, all these things. And there's lots of science on all of this at this point. So if that is a a, a means to to kind of get into it, uh, absolutely, you can seek out. The, the research on it, um, or if you already feel like you can, you know, you can just jump straight in and give it a try. Ultimately, giving it a try, giving it a, a fair trial is the most important thing. You have to really experience mindfulness. There's so many benefits, but they're your benefits and their their um, words are just, uh, you know, very uh, broad and they're, uh, they can't really capture um, the nuances of, of what it feels like to start to have this weight of all this this heavy thinking mind being lifted off your shoulders. You have to experience that peace and a little bit here, a little bit there, and then it, it shows you the way. Yeah, I think, like you said, meditation is never about denying your feelings. It's, it's, it's about recognizing, I think, them and becoming more mindful of what's there so that you can, you said this earlier about reacting differently to different situations you know whether it be with another individual or your current you know your your current situation um <clears throat> i think that um in 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 if i can if i can ask you this you said it helps respond to what's actually in front of you so you can deal with it efficiently and effectively i love efficiently and effectively because i think um I have a business degree, so I guess it, that's indoctrinated into us, do things more efficiently and effectively. But in reality, we can manage our lives that way as well. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, some people say we spend upward of 80% of our day lost in thought. Yeah. And that's, that's time not actually being present with what's happening. That's uh, time spent lingering on things that happened previously and kind of extending them past their shelf life. It could be uh, you know, actually, usually it's the little things. It's like getting cut off. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and and then we start to stew in those in that reactivity for for the rest of the day. And then we tell our coworkers about it. You, you'll never believe what happened, and so forth. And the the efficient, effective, and efficient approach is the path of least resistance, um, which is to you know swerve to avoid getting hit or whatever, and then just getting back on track and continuing on. And any lingering on the situation, how dare they, why, you know, why did they, why are they on the road, or why does this always happen to me, all, all these extra thoughts, the, the story that we tell ourselves on top of it isn't really necessary. So being able to let go of a situation, it happened, we responded as best as we could, we learned from it one way or another, and then we carry on ready for the next moment. And, so and if you're not used to doing more, that, it takes practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does take practice, but it's like, um, you know, going to the gym. Start out with small weights before you work your way up to bigger weights, and then you can handle 
the bigger situations, the, the situations that we react in bigger ways uh, to that we, we you know, work our way up to being able to handle any situation in life ultimately. From that perspective, yeah, I, 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 I think, it, like you said earlier, baby steps. I, I, I love the aspect of baby steps. You gotta, you gotta take baby steps. And you have to be mindful of your environment and mindful of what you're open to that this is not woo-woo, as you said earlier. It's not being a hippie. It's, it's something that can benefit you in many positive ways in all aspects of your life, your business life, your home life, your relationships, your, I mean, there's so many, it just your health, you know, it just goes on and on and on. I think for me, I, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to reflect and again, connect mind, body, and soul. We don't work efficiently and effectively if we don't connect our mind, body, and soul. If one's in disconnect, then it makes a bad day for us or those around us. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that is, it's a good thing for this. So when you, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that you do retreats. So when you, you mentioned earlier about going to a retreat and that you were facilitating a retreat, what happens? Let, let's help people understand what happens in a retreat. Mm. Well, there's all kinds of different retreats uh, in the world that you can seek out. What I was missing uh, when I was kind of in my retreat phase as an attendee was um, it was too one-sided. Usually it was all meditation or all yoga or then all excursions and activities. And um, to me, mindfulness and meditation is really bringing the stillness and the presence that we nurture during the mindfulness activities into the, the, the more external activities of, of you know, culture and uh, cooking classes and uh, mala making uh, sessions and, and just experiencing nature. All of those activities um, need to be infused with a, a kind of presence. So the way I've designed my retreats is we bookend our days with mindfulness activities such as breath work and, and conscious movement and meditation. And we spend the uh, middle section, middle part of the day um, going out, but the, depending on where the um, retreat is being held, exploring local nature, local activities, local culture, uh, architecture, art, and uh, cuisine, and so forth. So it's really uh, combining both the the being with the doing, the stillness that we then bring into the activities, because that's what our daily life is uh, like. You know, once we go back home, um, we want to be able to bring that meditative quality to the to the activities of, of dealing with the outside world. So a week of that, um, it's amazing what it can do is, is to really nurture the ability to not see these things as separate activities, but to really bring mindfulness into your day. And then you realize it's, it's again, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. I agree with that. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to give up your current life to do it. You, you can just take a few moments out and if those few moments are a six or seven day treat or a five day retreat, there's necessary sometimes for us body. Let me try that in English. <laughs> it is, see, my brain is working much faster than my mouth. Sometimes it takes just a few minutes or a few days to be able to, to take that pause. And then we can start recognizing the noise, as you said earlier, and we can start quieting that noise. And, and suppressing that noise to a point where it doesn't have a negative effect on our lives. And that you, 
from your perspective, you as a teacher, you as an author, you as creating these tools for us so that we can manage our lives more effectively and efficiently through meditation, if I'm yeah. free to say that. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's never about you know, me or any other teacher telling you what your experience should be. Of, you know, self-discovery is your own thing. It's really creating a, an environment and um, the safety of feeling heard and understood and being in the company of like-minded uh, and communities so that right. in that safe space, you can really kind of go deep and go within and, and not have to deal with kind of criticism of others or or even just the daily chores, which, like you described earlier, tend to overwhelm us quickly. So it's it's important once a year, once or twice a year, to give yourself that that boost. That to yeah. Well, I, I to be honest, I have not been to one of those retreats, but I I my wife and I have gone to Maui to do exactly that. Just her and I, we go to Maui. We were able to go to the beach. We took it all in. We relaxed. We paused. We for, we forgot the noise. And, and it refreshes you. So when you come back, you, well, <laughs> it's like all of us are coming back going, I don't know if I'm going to come back to this noise again. <laughs> that was so nice. But it also makes us grateful for that opportunity that we had, that we don't always get that opportunity. You know, it, it, we're not in a position to do that every six months kind of a thing. You know, every couple of years we get to do it. So <clears throat> we as human beings, we within a society that sometimes, as you said earlier, thinks that, you know, people who meditate are all woo-woo people. How, how do we uh, overcome that uh, stigma and, and step into the role of being a meditator? Mm. Well, I intentionally set out to um, address that in my book that you see the logo right there, BU, um, in that I found early on as I was getting into it that a lot of the language was just too woo-woo for me and it was getting in the way of the wisdom. And so I set out to, to uh, write a book on mindfulness that takes out all of that triggering language. There's, there's no word of the universe or even spiritual in there. It's, it's the most unspiritual spiritual book ever written because uh, it just uses <laughs> very plain language to describe the wisdoms that have been there for, you know, for thousands of years. Um, so that was really the intent. Um, and then for others, they may want the, you know, the, the thick uh, spiritual language and the, there's literature and material for them as well. So find what resonates is, is my suggestion. Um, there's uh, completely scientific approaches to showing how the brain responds to meditation. Uh, I was on a podcast earlier this morning with a neuroscientist who had an incredible insights of how the body responds. And so if that's a way to, to get into it, um, then there's plenty of resources for that. Um, or if you're ready to just like jump in and do some guided meditations, pop on some headphones and, and start experiencing, that's, uh, it's all good. It's all valid. Um, just stay connected to what resonates is my recommendation. And, and just uh, you know, enjoy and embrace the journey. And, and if I can add, because you know, my wife, when she went to go work out in a new gym and she was working on losing some weight, um, honey, please don't be mad at me for talking about this. If you don't hear from me in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she, she, she felt very self-conscious about going there and look, you know, being around and going, well, what are these people gonna think of me? 
And I had to remind her that everybody else in that room are there for the same reason. So, you know, don't be self-conscious in regard to that. Everybody that's there with you in that arena are there for the same thing. They're looking for the same thing. Might be a different methodology, might be a different approach or a different, you know, way that they want to do it, or they're doing it for a variety of different reasons, but they're all for, there for the, for the same thing, to improve themselves, to betterment themselves, you know, to give an opportunity to come out of this in a very positive way. So yeah, don't 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 hesitate. In, you know, in my opinion, but let's talk about your book. I know that you know. Would you have you always want to be an author? Is there something that you know just um, you felt that the it the time was right? Do you think, or had you always wanted to write something like this? No, I never considered it. Never thought it would. You know, I would write anything. I didn't spend a lot of time writing nor reading, um, and it was really just through my journaling and and kind of inner work that. Uh, I got into writing and then that ultimately turned into a voice that was beyond my own <laughs> that I then felt called to, you know, share and, and, and talk about. So again, just staying open to the unfolding of life, being connected to um, that inner voice that, that then kind of shows us the path that we're supposed to walk. And I always say, you know, people come up to me as like, I want to write something and how do I get going and uh, what's the what's the right approach and i always say just start writing right even if it's right. just you know two minutes or two sentences give yourself a chance because what you're trying to do is tap into the flow it's not about you writing it's about you becoming a conduit for what wants to come through you so that's, that's really the state we want to be in yeah so uh, and i notice quickly when i'm writing that it's uh I'm, you know, it's not working. I'm trying too hard. I'm I'm forcing it, and then I put the pen down and I and I go meditate or go for a walk or do the dishes, change my mindset, take a shower or something, to to get back to the flow. And so um, there's something greater, you know, at work here. And uh, to think that we're the, you know, we have the the sole grasp on truth and and reality is uh, it's just a small way to live and so by staying open to you know to seeing things as they are the the possibilities uh, endless possibilities are contained in all of that and so yeah I love that's that. that's I, really good. I love that yeah yeah it, it's you know it, it's i'm i'm i've been in that position myself i have to admit to you and to the universe where i i get too much into myself i'm writing oh, two books Yes, simultaneously. I've got this little bit of a personality that's... Awesome. that's <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one, one is one subject and one is another subject, and they both need to be told. I thought, well, and I do just what you said. If something hits me and I go, oh, yeah, that needs to go in there, and I'll go and write it down. I type it, but, or I voice it because of my hands. But, it, you know, it, so I don't let that stall me. I, I, it, for the longest time I went, I wrote all this and went, and I'm not happy with that. I rewrote it, and then I'm not happy with that. And I rewrote it, and then I kind of thought, I got to stop doing this. You know, it, it's just relax. When it comes, it comes, and write it down when it comes in, and, and it makes my a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> on your your business, let's talk a little bit about you and what you offer to people. That, you know, I wasn't able to get everything on this screen right here, and um, because of the room, 
that's on there, but you offer an immense amount of opportunity for people to really connect with themselves and to learn meditation. So, and, and you got your book and you've got uh, authors. Can you please help us out and, and talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So what I found is that, including in my own journey, that understanding, rationally understanding the importance of, you know, keeping a calm mind and, and making calm decisions and not spending our time lost in thought too much and uh, projections about fear of the future and, and anxiety, all of that, um, that doesn't benefit us. Understanding that, yeah, we want to come out of that is a first big step, but then the actual practice of it has to set in. It's, it's exercising our awareness muscle um, in just like doing anything. It, it takes a little practice. Um, and once you get going, it's actually remarkable how quickly we find back to kind of a natural state of, of experiencing life as it's unfolding without constantly judging it and ourselves. But it has to be practiced. So a lot of my focus is on the retreats, which help you deepen. You know, if you take your give yourself a, a break once a year to really deepen your presence practice, um, and that can only be done. You know, it, by physically going somewhere and, and experiencing a safe environment with others who are doing the same. Um, but then also um, a daily practice, right? that uh, we participate in, in mornings and evenings or little moments, opportunities throughout the day. Um, so I work with people in, in groups to find those opportunities throughout the day to, to create like a, a mindfulness program for yourself. And so it's not about you know, changing the way you are, operate, but it's about becoming better and more efficient at doing the things that you're already doing. So most of the change that we bring into ourselves and into the world will come from bringing this light of awareness that we cultivate within ourselves into our usual environments, into the workplace, into our families and relationship structures. Um, so that's how we really uh, create a, a, a deeper and more rewarding experience of life, not by throwing everything out the window and, and just uh, running off to a deserted island. So, so I work with individuals. Everyone has their own tailored uh, plan for you know, how to approach life. And everyone has their own unique challenges. Uh, so no one size fits all. And so I work with individuals and groups uh, via online or in, and in person, but also at these retreats where we have more of a a collective experience that uh, helps nurture mindfulness in a, in a whole different way, in a very powerful way. And you've got a, you do have a podcast and, a, and your book there, obviously. Um, yes. Tell us about yeah. your podcast. Yeah. So I love uh, being on podcasts, obviously, as we're doing right now, but I also like being in the other seat of asking questions. And I've found that everyone has a remarkable story even the most seemingly unremarkable person. Once you, you start talking and asking questions and you're just open to seeing them, they will start sharing uh, just incredible life stories. So that was the motivation behind my own podcast is to really highlight the journey that people take. It's accomplishments happen while living, but they are not something we should live for. You know, living for outcome is, is one of the big, Kind of traps of, of the mind of, of always kind of wanting to be in the, in the next moment or living for some future point in time. 
instead of being present with what we're doing. So uh, on my podcast, I interview people and you can be a guest as well. That would be in incredible for me to ask the questions because you've got a story to share. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd love to be and, and actually love to be. That's the name of your podcast, Be You. Um, yeah, we'd love to be on your podcast. We, we'll talk about that when yes. we close. Awesome. And then, of course, the, the book itself, uh, like I said, it's written in the most plain language ever. So if you want an intro or even just reminder, because ultimately we need tons of reminders um, uh, that uh, it's a great book to just jump into different chapters. There's 50 chapters covering all the main areas of life. There are only you know three to five pages each, so you don't have to commit a lot of uh, brain power or time. You can just kind of jump in and get a, a, a quick an easy reminder of how to handle a particular situation. So, and all these can be found on your website. It's all on my website. The URL is down there. It's sirak.com. That's C-I-R-A-K.com. And you can find me everywhere on social media at Chris Sirak. And I'll make sure that stuff's in the show notes and everything so everybody has an easy way just to click and follow the link and it'll take them right there to it. And I'll have information about your book, about your podcast, about your website, about your retreats. All stuff, Chris Sorak. Everything about, oh, most of everything about Chris Sorak. We'll keep a few secrets. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <clears throat> well, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I think that uh, uh, I love the conversation. We've been hopefully been able to inspire some people and motivate some people. And I think we have educated some people in regard to meditation, the value of meditation, and what it can do to change our lives improve our well-being and to move us forward in a very positive way on a daily basis so thank you thank you michael it's been such a pleasure we had a couple of hiccups trying to get this scheduled and and i was looking forward to it each time this this is really a, the highlight of my day well i thank you i humbled by that i appreciate that i figured the universe puts us together when we're supposed to be so i'm grateful for that universe connection and uh, and i appreciate that so yeah. This is, you may have already said this, but we're going to try this. I always close out with, this is one more thing before you go. So is there, is there any words of wisdom that you can share with us before we go? Yeah. And that is really ultimately to take to heart that there is no right or wrong. We're always experiencing life as a reflection of who we are at that moment in time. There's no reason to regret anything that we've done. Uh, there's no reason to uh, want anything to be different. Uh, everything's unfolding exactly the way it should so that we can become bigger and better people. Life wants us to grow. Everything that challenges us challenges us to come out of our comfort zones, to become a bigger, more well-rounded and, and whole person. So uh, life is really here to love us and uh, look for the lessons in, in everything that happens because it's, it's there to, to make us grow and become who we're really meant to be. Profound words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing those. I really appreciate it. So, again, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate you, what you bring to the world, the positivity, and, and moving people forward in that kind of a way. And for everybody out there watching and listening, one more thing before you go. Have a great day. Have a great week. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.